Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. We are back. Welcome back to the rest of the sermon. Ooh, we're back. I am back in the pilot seat yeah, right you are. here. I get to press this button. Yep. And then this button and got this all button. The buttons yeah, now, man. you got really good at using these buttons. <laughs> well, that board's really I don't know anything about technology, but let me tell you, whatever that thing costs well, is worth it. This is what they put in the cockpit of all of the SpaceX space shuttles <laughs> right? to take them straight to orbit in yes. the International Space Station. By the Station. way, did you see old boy go into space? I did. Wow. I did. That was insane. Virg- um, Virgin Records? Yeah. That yeah. was nuts, I, Well, I, I saw the plane, the launch, and then um, the ascent. And But then it wasn't until a few hours later they released some footage of, I forget the dude's name, Richard, what's his name? I forget um, his name. Yeah. Um, but he's up there in the plane, um, and he's, like, talking about the experience of looking down on the earth and seeing the curvature, seeing the seeing the empty void of space behind it. Yeah. And thinking about, like, as a kid, I think he said, as a kid, I dreamed to go to the stars, and now as an adult, I'm in this airplane in space. Yeah. Richard Bronson, <laughs> Richard I just Bronson. looked it up. He yeah. gave a speech that said... You know, along with that same thing, he said, like, as a kid, I dreamed this and now I'm here. And the reason why I'm doing this is because if I can do this, what can you do? Right. What can the next generation do? Right. And I was like, whoa, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. And this is a private citizen. Yep. Like, yeah. this is a private citizen. 60, 60 years ago, well, even in NASA now, you have to go through like six months of rigorous physical training and exercises and they yeah. put you underwater and put I mean, fluids in your nose. Listen to and, this. A private citizen can go into space orbit and I can't get good cell service at the office. <laughs> we can put a man on the moon, my goodness. but we cannot mm, cell service. My yeah. good, people won't put their grocery carts up. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, <laughs> that's a YouTube channel. That guy deserves an award. Right. Uh, Cartnarks, I think is what it is. Yeah. Don't go look it. that up. You won't, you won't I be blessed it. by that. I love it. Uh, welcome back to the rest of the sermon. Yeah. We are coming to Psalm chapter three, all of the verses, verses one through eight. We're continuing, continuing our journey through the Psalms. And I just got to say, just, just, um, coming back in. This was my first Sunday yeah. um, back in the gathering. One, super awesome to, to kind of come back in in one of my favorite books of the Bible. I love the Psalms. Yeah. I love the aspect of singing, that this is God's uh, greatest hits, as I've heard you say yeah. before, that we're in that. But a huge takeaway. You asked me yesterday afterwards, how'd it feel to be back? And I was still kind of processing everything. And and uh, after processing last night and uh, this morning a little bit, I think I was telling you this in the office, the opportunity to come back because of COVID and the, the the ceasing of gathering and all of that, we had not done communion for quite a while. Yeah. We had not come to the Lord's table together for a while. And this was my first Sunday since we've started yeah. coming back to the table together where I got to partake in the Lord's Supper with everybody at Westside, yeah. one service all together. Yeah. And dude, as Christians, we got to come to the table. We got to yeah. eat. We got to be fed. And, I agree. And there is something amazing about coming to the table together. It's the pinnacle of our service. Yeah. And I'm so glad it's back and that I was able to partake in that with you guys this weekend. So thank you. Yeah, man, it's good. It's po- yeah. it's powerful for us to be doing it in unison and yeah. sort of doing 
a an, an abbreviation of the great litany, the great thanksgiving, and 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 doing that together is it's a very very powerful thing to do. Yeah, man. So awesome. Well, we're in Psalm 3. Uh, I'm going to read the text from this week, and then we're just going to unpack it a little bit, talk about some stuff, maybe a little bit of verse 7 we didn't get to uh, in the sermon that I want to talk about a little bit, and then we'll kind of talk about our emotions and stuff like that in the context of the psalm. Good. So let me pray for us before we get into God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your good news. Thank you for preserving this book for us, although it's not written to us, it's written for us. And thank you for the good news that it holds um, from how we can live our lives to becoming made to being made more like your son Jesus, to being sanctified through and by your love, and we can come to you in your word. And I'm thankful for this book and that we get to do this. So thank you for this. I pray that these words would come alive to us off the page, that they would not return void to the listeners of this podcast or to us in our hearts, and that you would fulfill that promise as you do and always do with your promises. We ask all of this in the mighty and living name of Jesus Christ, and everyone in this tiny podcast room said, amen. 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 All right, Psalm chapter 3, follow along with us. We are reading from the ESV. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So we're continuing this journey, and I neglected to read, as I did on Sunday, I'm realizing, the header of this psalm, a psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son. Um, And that's where we kind of want to start off. Um, I know that... I know that you use the illustration of the Godfather Part Two. Um, <laughs> yeah. you bring my heart. I yeah, know right. You. Like, can you talk to us a little bit about the context of this psalm? Like, maybe maybe people didn't get a grasp of it on Sunday. Um, where's it come from in the Bible, yeah. and who's Absalom, his son, and what's going on there? Yeah. So Psalm Three is a change for us in in the series because Psalm Three we're starting to get in the rhythm of what these psalms are like. This is the first one where we get a lot of firsts. We see the word psalm. Uh, that's actually used in the header. And then it gives us a context, you know, just like you said, when David flees from his son Absalom. And you can read that in 2 Samuel 15 through 18. And I highly encourage you to read those chapters and then read this psalm. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, it's the equivalent of, I think about my nanny. Um, once a year, she reads, she gets these letters out of a chest and reads these letters. And, and the letters were from her brother who never came back from the Korean War. Mm. And reading those letters, if you just found it, you would go, oh, you know, that's just, you know, like an old letter. But knowing that somebody's on the front lines of battle in a war, yeah. reading that letter completely changes the tone. The same is, is the Apostle Paul's New Testament letters when he's writing from prison about being thankful. And you're like, what? This guy's in prison. And the context of this psalm 
is is so relatable. David has a massive family conflict. I mean, such a family conflict that it's affecting his career. Yeah. Um, he's not able to sleep at night. I mean, all of this is taking place. And so knowing that is, number one, um, so relatable. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, family conflict, hello, you right. know, like, you know, yeah. jo- join the club. <laughs> family conflict, emotions, all of these things. And then to see... And, and not just to see, but to have the words that David, King David in the Bible, yeah. prayed yeah. in a situation like that. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, it's, you're in the secret room, yeah. like, like you got the front row seat to it. So all of that context is massively important to understanding Psalm 3. Yeah, well, and I, I want to zoom out and not just talk about Psalm 3. I want to talk about the idea of context in general, I mean yeah. that I love the idea of the letter, and and uh, it's just a letter if you come across it. But if you know the background behind it and who's there, uh, it it means more and it hits harder. Why does context matter in the Bible? Um, specifically, we've talked about this psalm, but like we live in a day and age where it's like, well, give me a chapter and verse for that, sure. and and we cherry pick a single verse for something that we may think might actually support something that we're trying to argue about or whatever. When in reality, it's out of context and it yeah. doesn't make any sense. Why does context matter, not just in the Psalms, but in the Bible as a whole and how we approach the Word of God? Yeah, so we uh, talked about this in the Bible Doesn't Say That series where we took these popular phrases and actually showed where where the Bible doesn't say that. But one of the things that I said that I learned in seminary was context, the word context, is every verse has a context. So a verse without a context is just a con, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so a context, you know, a verse without a context it's and a its text, text is just a con of the text. Yeah. And it does a number of things, but, but the first thing is, is that it reminds us that this is an entire story, yeah. right? And, and so you just can't drop into the story and rip something out of it. Number two, it reminds us that in this story, there's real people, there's real situations, there's real stuff going on. So what we always say is reading the verses before, reading the verses after yeah. that a verse is in gives you the context and the bigger picture of that. Yeah. And and really, people think it's like eating your dessert first. Like, ooh, if I can just get that, you know, I can do all things through Christ, which right. strengthens me. We actually think that that's the dessert. That's the cherry on top. Right. I'm just getting that little tidbit. The reality is, is you're doing yourself a disservice. Right. When you understand that verse right. in its larger context, yeah. it means so much yeah. more. I think of Jeremiah 29, 11 comes to mind a yeah. lot. That is like, I know the thought, the plans that I have for you. Plans, sure. Just a great verse, bumper sticker verse, coffee, coffee mug verse, all of that stuff. But if you look at the context in which Jeremiah is writing, he's actually like promising, like he's promising that the, the, uh, excuse me, the, the siege and that the exile, that's what I'm saying. Uh, that's what I'm trying to get to. The exile of Israel is going to be happening and like they're not going to hear from the voice of God for right. hundreds of years. And, right. and so that's almost a word of encouragement for a knowing uh, the, the knowledge of a coming very dark time. He tells them to 
be prosperous in a foreign land. Right. Like, yeah. Like you're not going back home. So the plans right. I have for you yeah. are for you to prosper in Babylon. Yeah. Like, and when you get ah. to the New Testament, especially Paul's letters, like context is not is not just the verses before and after, but it's the entire letter yep. and why he's writing to why he's writing what he's writing to yep. the Corinthian churches or to the church in Ephesus. And so And the Psalms give us we don't have every single psalm with a heading like this one. Right. But the ones that we do, man, really allow yeah. us to spend time. Well, and that's why we talk about this a lot. You've talked about it uh, before. The ESV Study Bible yeah, is man. great when it comes to the idea of context. Absolutely, um, especially when you get to the they have the ESV Study Bible has a, a header at the beginning of, beginning of every book to kind of paint a picture as to why this book was written and who it's written to and what the context is of it. So, man, the ESV Study Bible is an awesome resource. We believe it should probably be on every shelf and you and. In, in a sure, house man. and easily accessible. Home. Yeah, and they're like twenty bucks. Get a hard get a hardback copy somewhere or paperback or whatever. And, and they're in your a house. brick. Yeah. <laughs> if you need help holding up a coffee table, that'll do it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's so great. Well, we talked we talked about um, the context of this psalm and and really it kind of revolves around like fear and emotions. Yeah. Um, and how how do we remain faithful is one of the, the main question you asked. Yeah. How can I remain faithful when I'm so fearful and emotional yep. for identifying with David in the midst of a dark time? Fear and emotions. And we broke it down into three areas. We can name it, frame it, and proclaim it. So yeah. let's talk about that first area, name it. And I'm going to read verses one and two. Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there's no salvation for him in God. Mm. What is David naming here? Yeah, what are we naming? David's talking about the situation, and, and we know in the context that, that he's on the run, that his son Absalom has caused such a conflict in the family and in the kingdom that he's, that he's absurding King David, that he's literally, he stood at the gate of the city and said, oh, you want to go see the king today? What for? Oh, well, I can help you with that. And literally is backstabbing his own father. Mm-hmm. And so David is saying, I'm, I'm running for my life here. These people are revolting against me. And one of the things that they're saying is that even God has abandoned me. Mm. And, and one of the reasons why we said name it is because when it comes to an emotional situation, especially with some anxiety and some fear, everything sort of bleeds together. Yeah, Everything seems bad. It seems so overwhelming. Yeah. And we don't even know how to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And not everything you hear in those seasons is true. Absolutely. Yeah. And so one of the things that's helpful to do, and I mean, gosh, even a counselor will tell you this, is to be able to step back from the situation and name what is going on here. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we learned in Gravity Leadership, and, and hopefully we'll have some of these guys on the podcast, is this, this idea of bad news, that in any situation, that situation's telling something to us, yeah. that we're being preached at constantly all day, 24-7, 365. And, and we said the bad news is a lie that we believe about God, ourselves, others, and reality. Yeah. And so on this idea of name it, we said name it and then ask the question, what's the bad news? Yeah. What's going on here? And David's bad news was that everybody has abandoned him, hmm. and so has God. Yeah. God has abandoned you, David, and so has everybody else, and you've got to figure this out on your own. Yeah, I mean, it's right there in the verses. He's procl- he's, he's naming a lot, of, a lot of people have risen up against me, and they're even saying God's against you, or yeah, that man. God's not going to be there to rescue you out of it. I think naming is... Uh, Steve Cuss mentions it in, in his book, uh, Managing Leadership Anxiety, which we read together uh, last year, and I think... 
Um, the, he said there's power in naming. Yeah. There's power in naming because um, you don't even you you don't even address and solve the issue, but you at least get it on the table and you're aware of it. Yeah. One and, of the worst things sometimes people experience is they're sick and they go to the doctor and they don't get a diagnosis. Mm. That's almost worse. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, sometimes the diagnosis might be horrible, yeah. but when you diagnose it, you have a direction. Yeah. A diagnosis gives you a direction. Yeah. Yeah. So what's a way that we could name? So like we see David's plight here, like people yeah. are, are rising up around against him and they're slandering against him and against God. And he's, you know, there's a bad news that he could believe there. Sure. Um, how could we go about naming something in our own lives? Maybe something that we notice that we're in the midst of emotional calamity or, you know, something happened at work and our authority feels challenged or yeah. something like that. How could we name something and dig bad news out of a scenario like that? Yeah, for sure. I think it's massively important to see what we do with our emotions mm -hmm. in that moment. Okay. Yeah. And so I think just a disclaimer here, I think the church has done a very poor job historically um, sort of overall in evangelicalism when it comes to emotional health mm. and sort of mental health. I think we do things, one psychologist has called it spiritual bypassing, yeah. where instead of saying, I'm fearful, I have doubts, we say things like, starve your fears and feed your faith, like right. these cliche bumper sticker things. And the reality is, is we are created in the image and likeness of God, Amen. The, the Imago Dei. Yeah. And one of the ways that we know that we're created in the image and likeness of God is our emotions. Yeah, your emotions God, aren't bad. God is an emotional being. I shouldn't yeah. say emotional. God has emotions yeah. in, in the scriptures. Yeah. And in verse four, David says, I cried aloud to the Lord. Yeah. David is processing. And, and, and the sentence that we said was, prayer is one of the primary ways yeah. to process our emotions. Mm. I mean, if the book of Psalms teaches you anything, yeah. you see that from the get-go, right. that David goes, okay, yeah. I'm feeling this way. I've got to process it. And the way that I'm going to process it is, is I'm going to process it through prayer. Yeah, that's good, man. That's really, really good. And I... I Going back to this idea of emotions, like I think one of the things that the church has done um, is is painted this idea that if you we've categorized emotions as good and as bad, sure, because we've we've neglected to realize that it's the emotions aren't the things that are bad; it's how we react and respond or what we do with them that's right. bad. And so it's okay to feel what you feel. I love what you said on Sunday. It's okay to feel that way. It's just not okay to stay that way. Hundred percent. And I mean, just one chapter over in Psalm chapter four, uh, verse four, he says, "Be angry." Right. But don't sin. Yep. Like ponder ponder these things in your head. Yes. In your beds at night and be silent about it. Yep. And process them. And and one of the primary ways you can process is not just in your own head, but out loud with your mouth through prayer. Yes. But I love in verse four, like you just mentioned, I cried out to the Lord in prayer. Um, and then I want to spend a moment because there's a petition here um, in verse seven. Yeah. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. And then we get into some verses here that yeah. I want to unpack. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. Yep. You're, you're punching the bad guys in the face and you break the teeth of the wicked. 
I don't know if this actually qualifies as, as what's called an imprecatory psalm. Yeah. It doesn't sound like he's actually asking. He's more declaring. Sure. But can we talk about that for a minute? Like, why is it okay that David says this? Yeah, for why sure. Why is it okay that this this is in the psalm, in the song, in a way that he cries out to the Lord? And then maybe we can talk about imprecatory psalms and, and what those mean. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's, you know, there's these peculiar moments in the psalms and and especially later on in the book where, where what you just said, there's some things that people ask God to do that you're like, are we allowed to talk that <laughs> Lord, way? Lord, shatter the teeth in their mouths. I mean, like, are, is this... Dash their heads on the rocks. You know, is <laughs> like, this okay? Right. And, and just real basic level, the, the theological category for those. You know, we learned the first week of the Psalms that, that this is poetry. Yeah. And so there's, just like we have jazz and rock and all of that, there are categories to these Psalms. Yeah. One category of Psalms is called impeccatory. And that's just a Latin word that means to sort of pronounce judgment yeah. on, to ask for justice, yeah. if you will. And, you know, a lot of people think that there is um, tension when David's talking about his enemies and then we get to Jesus's magnum opus, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And Jesus is like, well, love your enemies. Right. You've heard it say, but I say unto you. Yeah. And, and, and just a few quick things, I think, number one, it's always good to remember that these are human authors. Yeah. Okay. Human authors divinely inspired by God. Okay, so that's both and. Yeah. Um, we don't believe in dictation. We believe in inspiration. Yeah. Dictation is where God supersedes the author's personality and humanness and just uses them as a robot to write these words down. Yeah. We don't believe that. We believe in inspiration, where God uses the human author personality and emotion to write some of these things down. So yeah. number one... The impeccatory psalm is primarily from a human viewpoint. Yeah. It is a human being seeing grievous injustices. Yeah. I mean, babies being slaughtered and entire villages and horrible injustices happening and them expressing their human emotions to God. Yeah. So, I, you know, I just think that's super important to know. Yeah. Super yeah. important to know that that's okay to do, that that's what we see. Secondly, it's very important to know that this is a cry for justice, yep. not vengeance. Yep. And the difference between vengeance and justice, I believe, is, is mercy and forgiveness. Yeah. So, so justice without forgiveness is just vengeance mm -hmm. in that sense. And what the psalmist is saying is, Yes, we know, God, that all forgiveness is with you, but we also know you're still a holy God. Yeah. And I think that's the third thing, is that it also invokes God's holiness. Yeah. That we believe as Christians that there will be a day of justice. Yeah. Whereas the scripture says that God will punish yeah. the evildoer. Mm -hmm. and, and so systems of government and things like that are set up as a preview for that. That's why it's so grievous when we see systems of government actually enact injustice. Justice yeah. and sort of do those things. But I want to say something. Um, one author says, from the human vantage point, their expression is an impeccatory psalm. Yeah. So that's the human answer to injustice. What God's answer to the injustice is, is the incarnation. Mm, amen. It's not the impeccatory. Yeah. It's the incarnation. And by the way, 
in the imprecatory psalms, we don't see a direct answer from God. Right. We don't ever see God go, I am going to right. do to you know to do X, Y, or Z. What we see God do, and again, all scripture points to Jesus. Yeah. God's greatest and final answer, God's final word is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And, and, and so in light of that, there's not tension. The imprecatory psalms give us a, a lane and an avenue to express these emotions that yeah. we feel. And so that's just a real 30,000-foot yeah. view of that's, that. That's good. I also think it comes with perspective. Like we look at judgment and calamity, which are two words in the definition of a precatory psalm. We view those things as like as a, as punishment as yeah. opposed to justice and things being made right. Where in the context of the Old Testament, you look at Israel and everything happening with them and other in other countries throughout the 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 histories in the Old Testament, you see you see judgment and calamity falling on falling on these communities for the for the very purpose of them abandoning God and worshiping other. Yeah, that's yeah. important to know. Is yeah. that it, it, the imprecatory psalms aren't because somebody cuts somebody off in traffic, right. and it's just this personal thing. Yeah. It's because a group of people are enemies yep. of God. Yep, literally that they want yeah. to dismantle the kingdom of God that yeah. is set up on earth. Yeah, and I love the perspective when you can, all you got to do for for a right perspective is just keep reading. Swing on down to verse eight. I mean, it's right after you strike all my enemies on the cheek and you break the teeth of the wicked. And then verse eight is salvation belongs to David because I prayed these things. Right. No, that's right. not it. It's salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen. He's the one who's in control. He's the one who's the author of everything and makes everything right. And we see that come through Christ on the cross and the yeah. empty grave and the ascension. So thankful for that and good for that. And I love, love that we had an opportunity to talk about the imprecatory Psalms. Yeah, for sure. Those are coming up. And so, you know, we'll have a whole message where we'll get to go a little bit more in depth on that. This week, I just thought knowing the context so specifically and, and really wanting to be helpful of people, man, listen, you know, I'm a preacher, but I'm a pastor. And so I'm meeting with people that have family. I mean, it's not, they're not kings. You're also a husband and a dad. You know, they're not kings who have a kingdom that's getting ripped out from underneath them, but it's family conflict with their children or this, that, and the other. And, and how do we process these emotions that we're dealing with? That was the main thrust of the Psalm. I love that. And I, I, you started to go into it a little bit earlier, about five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, before we got into this, but there are poor ways to engage our emotions like outside of the avenue of prayer. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about those, not a ton, because I want to get into frame it and proclaim it. But sure. what are some bad ways that we like engage our emotions and and why are those unhealthy for us? The first one is venting. Well, yeah. What is that and how is that different than prayer? Yeah, sure. So um, the difference between venting and praying is who you're talking to. Yeah. And, and David's talking to God. I cried aloud to the Lord. Yeah. Venting is whoever will listen. Mm. And primarily for some reason, this day and age, social media tends to be that outlet. And and what's Sorry, so cr- what's so crazy and one of the da- it's you know, it's a good thing that everybody has a voice, but it's also like a very bad thing that everybody it's has just a, a voice. It's a crowded loud room now. Yeah, because yeah. now we think that everybody wants to listen to, you know, that. And so venting is this idea of gossiping, bashing, and just all I mean, just an outright vomiting mm-hmm. of how you feel. And and that's not what we see David doing here. Yeah. No, that's good. The second one, another poor way. And again, these aren't these aren't just poor ways. These are good identifiers of of, hey, maybe the emotion that I'm experiencing is being handled in a wrong way. Yeah. Where do you or find may- yourself here? Yeah, yeah. And the second one is stuffing, uh, yeah. stuffing our emotions. 
you know, our, our family of origin has a lot to deal with a lot yeah. of these things. And so some of us grew up in homes where, you know, man, we don't talk. I mean, I mean, I remember talking to families who were like, I mean, I think my mom had cancer growing up. Like, like I'm pretty sure my mom had cancer, but we never talked about it. Yeah. We never, like nobody ever sat me down and said, Hey, I've been diagnosed, but yeah. you know, there were people bringing us meals yeah. and man, you learn to stuff and listen, when you stuff, you'll explode. Yeah. I mean, whatever fills spills. Mm. And so that's a very dangerous place to be either yeah. venting or stuffing. Yeah. One that made the list was bowing to our emotions. How's that different than venting and yeah. yeah, what does what bowing to our emotions look like? I think that's the number one thing that the culture says. Yeah. Bowing to our emotions is affirming that every emotion that we feel is true. Do what feels right. And can be yeah. acted upon. Mm. And that is a very, very dangerous thing. And, and no matter what happens in a lot of conversations in our culture now, I mean, somebody could say two plus two equals four, a logical fact. Not to me, it doesn't. And somebody could say, yeah. but I feel like, yeah. and I love what R.C. Sproul says, the only sin in society nowadays is to call something a sin <laughs> be because there is a finality to it. And so bowing to your emotions, and listen, we say this, that, that your feelings and emotions are a good gauge, yeah. but they're a poor guide. Yeah. There's a way that seems right to man, and in the end is going to kill everybody. Yeah. And so if you bow to that, that's a very dangerous place to be. Yeah, yeah. The last one that made the list is denying, yeah. denying our emotions. Yeah, and, and that's where probably addictions and mm. some things are going to come in, yeah. that, you know, stuffing as well. But when it comes to denying... Um, you know, I think I even added another one, fixing. Fixing and denying are, are, are very yeah. similar that, you know, when I hear people say, and I heard another pastor say this, that as, it's sort of a clue when he's having a conversation with someone is when somebody says, I mean, I shouldn't even say this, <laughs> or I shouldn't even feel this way. Yeah. That's an area in the conversation that you want to dig, that that yeah. you want to go, oh, well, how come you're denying the way that you feel that right. way? And most of the time there's shame and guilt involved in that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I love that we see what David doing. We talked about this, that that he's praying. And, and prayer, as we said, is one of the primary ways to process our emotions. Yeah. Why is it not just the primary way? Yeah, you sure. said one of. Sure, like, yeah. Like, and I, I mean, can we talk about like mental health and self-care and psychology and the, the value of common graces? Like why is prayer one of the primary ways and not just the only way. Yeah, there's a very intentional, you know, reason why I said one of, and and it's because we are mind, body, soul. Mm. And so when your carburetor goes out in your car, you don't turn to Leviticus. <laughs> you don't just pray and fast and name it and claim it over it. <laughs> you go to the mechanic. Right. And we are mind, body, and soul. Yeah. And there could be chemical imbalances there could be a thyroid, there could be um, post-traumatic stress disorder, there could be really real things. I mean, trauma is a very real, the body keeps the score. Yeah. And so going to a doctor, going to a psychologist, going to a counselor, yeah. all of these things are, this is common grace that the Lord has given us in 2021. Yeah. And so at the same time though, I'm also saying as much as you seek those things out, yeah. I think first, yeah. I'll, I'll be as bold as to say this, that I think first praying is what God has given us, mm -hmm. you know, and, and even through prayer, we can be led to these other yeah. things, but, but it's one of, it's yeah, one of it's the primary of, ways. Well, and uh, Christians are bad at apologizing. I'll just yeah, say it. Uh, right? So if, if, 
if we at Westside or anyone in the in the body of Christ has ever looked at you in the midst of uh, an emotional grieving time or a grievance, and they've just told you to like pray it away, yeah, or I'm sorry for that. Um, that is that is not the answer. Yeah. Um, that is not a healthy or helpful answer, and that doesn't even help name anything. And no. so, uh, so I love that prayer is one of the primary ways, but we also love common graces and medicine and doctors and all of that. One of the tools that you gave us this week are are sort of uh, questions to help name yeah. where our emotions are, like to help name what's going on. Sure. Um, sort of assessment questions. Can we walk through those three before yeah. we get into frame it? Yeah, and, and, and these are just very general questions that, again, help you if a diagnosis gives you a direction. Yeah. So you don't even know where to go. You don't even know what to do. And so, again, these are just to help narrow it down. The first one is, is this situational? Mm. You know, am I getting ready to go on a trip or or am I fearful of an up and coming conversation? Is this situational? Well, if it's situational, then there's some other questions that can follow with that. Yeah. Um, secondly, is this relational? That means that, you know, now it's involving a person. Yeah. And have I known this person for a long time? Do I have yeah. a past? Do I have patterns? This, that, or the other. And the last one, you know, I think, and I need to tread lightly here, but I think it's important is, is this irrational? Yeah. And and the only way you can really get an answer with that is if you're processing in community. Yeah. And, and, and we'll get to that because David in the Psalm says, you know, I couldn't discern this until I went to the house of the Lord. Yeah. And, but I think there are some situations that are, I mean, you know, this is funny and we laugh about it, but like, oh my gosh, I bumped my leg. And what if now... I get a bruise and then I throw a clot and then this happens and right. then I eat it and I touch that door handle, but then I touch my eye right. and, and there's these flying flies that fly around and lay worms and all, and then I go on Google and WebMD and, and now, and you're dying. yes. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> I mean, this thing has spread out of, you know, out yeah. of control. Yeah. Th- those are general questions to just prompt you in the direction yeah. To name it and find out what's the bad news yeah. here. What's no, the bad news? That's good. Well, we've we've named it. We see that here in the song, the, the psalm. The second step is to frame it, to frame it in verse three. But you, O Lord, let's just yeah. let's just pause there. But you, O Lord, I love yesterday uh, Sunday. You said there's a big but, and no, yeah. and no one laughed. Not a single it's okay person to, laughed. It's okay to laugh if you yep. say there's a, if there's a big but in the Bible, you can laugh about it. That's there okay. is a, I mean, very pronounced change yeah. in the psalm beginning with verse yeah, 3. there's a huge direction shift. Talk about that for a minute. Like, what, what changes in the tone? What changes in the theme of the psalm? Yeah, one of the words that we see at the end of verse 2 is this very mystical word, Selah. Yeah. And, and, and we talked a little bit about it. It's, it's very, um, there's a very hard translation, but the general consensus is, is that it might be a musical term meaning to pause or rest. Yeah, it's not a guitar solo. And so if you pause, yeah, right. If yeah. you pause and rest... That means that David's been processing the first two verses. Yeah. And then there is a there's a change that mm-hmm. happens. And one of the reasons why anxiety and and fear, but pro, you know, predominantly anxiety is so powerful, is we said that anxiety takes a future possibility mm. and makes it a present reality. It forces you to react to the what if yeah. right now. Yeah. And David resists that. Yeah. David's, David pauses and says, and with frame it, we said the question to ask is, what do I know to be true? Yeah. Because anxiety lives in the world of what if. Yeah. 
And that's really good. You what know, do, well, and it's not just what do I know to be true? Because what we know what we know to be true around us can still affect us in a negative way emotionally, sure. like a cancer diagnosis or something like that could be very true, but still also be a very grieving and difficult time. Yeah. So it's not just what's true around us. It's what do we know to be true about God? Yes. Um, which I think is really, really important. So remember, we're talking about emotions here. In the midst of a good or a bad emotion, why, do, why is it important that we go back to what we know about God? God, yeah, specifically for sure. Well, yeah. th- this is one of the big theological term is his immutable attributes. That's mm. a five dollar word there, and immutable means that he doesn't change. So the very yeah. famous verse, you know, this, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. The reason why that's good news is because everything is changing around us. I mean, our lives, nobody's exempt from the phone ringing and the direction of your life forever changing. Yeah. Forever changing. That is a very real thing. Mm. And it's good news to know that the goodness and kindness of God never changes. Yeah. And and so what David does is he's processed, found the bad news, but goes, wait, I'm going to filter my circumstances through God. Yeah. I'm not going to filter God through my circumstances. Right. And that is a paramount thing yeah. um, to learn. And so he sort of gives us three things in the verse that he knows about God. Yeah, we see that right there. Right, This is primarily what he knows to be true about God is what causes the shift in the psalm. Yep. The first thing he says here is, but you, O Lord, are a shield yeah. about me. I love the word that you... you uh, in the Hebrew, the translation is is usually uh, magen, yeah, um, which is M A G E N, uh, which is just like a circular shield, like maybe three hundred would use or something like that, right? Three hundred, but this is uh, translated magan, M A G A N. Yeah. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. You right. can make fun of me later online, right? Um, but that's actually a shield that looks like I don't know, more like a Roman shield that you've Full seen, body like, shield, yeah, top yeah. to bottom, covers everything, even includes the armor. Yeah. Um, why is that important? Like. Like, what's the word that you used? I've got it here, but I'll just let you say it. The three things that he knows about God. What does that reveal to David about God? Yeah, you know, and and thank God for scholars and people who've done the hard work. This came from a footnote, just a little footnote in a commentary, and I thought, whoa, that's that's really good. Thanks for and, citing your sources. Yeah, and and I think the difference is David saying that God is my protector, mm. not from circumstances, but God is my protector in them. So the full body shield was for the the soldiers on the front lines in the midst of the battle. And oftentimes we think, you know, when we say God is our protector, that God will protect me from bad things. And that's never promised. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Like, because I had that in a footnote as a question for this first thing. Does this mean that God will protect me? I want to get specific. Does it mean that God will protect Christians from sickness, from pain or from suffering? Yeah. Um, And if so, or if not, how is God protecting us when protect here doesn't really mean protect in the way that we think it does? Sure. And I think I can answer that with a real scenario. A couple of weeks ago, um, we had a baptism service and we baptized eight people. It was Amen. incredible. It was awesome. Yes. Young kids to somebody the, in their 70s. No, where's the clapping one? Which color is it? Is it the yellow one? Yes. There it is. That's for all of you who got baptized. That's yes. the kingdom of heaven rejoicing. Yes. All right. And a guy called me uh, and and we talked and he came to church the next Sunday and he said, man, I am not doing well. Mm-hmm. I said, what's going on? And yeah. he said, dude, like after I got baptized, it's like I opened up hell's door. Hmm. I mean, everything's going crazy in my life. And so I opened up my Bible and we read um, there in Luke when Jesus gets baptized 
And then the very next verse is, and the spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Yeah. I said, Jesus's first interaction after baptism was with Satan. Mm. And I said, to reassure you that your life looks a lot like Christ right now. Mm. And the reason why I think that's so important is us as Christians forget we worship a man who was murdered. Yeah. Who was crucified on a cross that yes, and and please hear me, I do believe, and God tells us to ask him for things like a little kid asks their father. That man, I go in hospital rooms with a Bible in one hand and oil in the other, and we anoint sick people, and we ask God to heal them, and I have seen God do some things, man. I have seen him do some things. But the key factor in all of that that doesn't change is God's goodness. Amen. God's goodness doesn't change. Amen. And so, no, it doesn't mean because God is our protector that he protects us from these things. Yeah. It's that he protects us in them. Yeah. And and I believe the ultimate protecting, to to really narrow down the word, is that we don't lose faith in him. Yep. That's Amen. the protecting. Yeah. It's not so much physical as it is spiritual. Yeah. David's saying that you're my protector, that, listen, guys, this is a one-way street. Yeah. If you think Christianity is about your grip on God, that's bad news. Yeah. Because every day you're never going to measure up. Right. And, and, and you could always do more. Yeah. Christianity is about God's grip on us. Yeah. That's good. And that's what David's saying. That's good. Paul illustrates this uh, really well. And uh, he, he basically says, I've been, I've been content in everything. Yes. I've, I've been through I found shipwrecks. The secret. Yeah, I've been through shipwrecks, through sickness, uh, through 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 plenty and through doubt and drought and all of that stuff. And he has found God to be faithful in it all, and that is where his content lies. Yes. Um, because God protects him in and through those things, which is really good. So David sees that God is my protector, and the second one is he's my provider. And that comes from mm. the word here. But you, O Lord, in verse three, are a shield about me, my glory. Man. That doesn't make sense because his kingdom Oof. is like crashing down. Yeah. So what glory does David have to boast about and how is God his glory? <laughs> this this meant a, a provider. T- this meant a ton to me this week. So David says, God's my protector. That's awesome. Found that out about the shield. And then he says, God is his glory. And it just on the surface is like, what? Like yeah. glory is attributed to God. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so what David is saying is, I don't have a throne. I'm not King David. I'm David on the run. What David is asking here is, I don't know what my identity is. Mm. I'm struggling with my identity. And then he remembers, God is my identity. That's good. God is my glory. It reminds me of a story um, we watched, you know, in the Jordan home, we are believers. We are (laughs) Justin Bieber fans. We'll confess that. You can send the hate mail. It's whatever. But we are full-fledged believers. And he had a little mini documentary on on YouTube. And he was getting um, some uh, IVs and seeing a doctor in one episode. Long story short, Justin had a period in his life where he was, man, seeking out drugs and parties and adrenaline and dopamine and all this stuff. Justin has been on stage since he was 10 years old and had thousands of people screaming for him. Yeah. And what he found over time, literally, is that this rewired his brain yeah. because he was on stage and people were screaming his name. So he would find himself at a birthday party not being able to like laugh or yeah. smile. And it's because the dopamine in his brain wouldn't release because he needed this, that, or the other. And when I realized that, 
and and watch that, I realized that anytime we try to claim that glory, mm. that literally only God can bear the weight of glory. Yeah. That if we try to bear that, it will crush us. Yeah. And what David is saying here is he's going, you're my glory. That's where my identity is yeah. found. Man, that was so special to me this week. Yeah, no, that's really good. How can we identify that? Like most of us aren't standing in front of thousands of people sure. and, and you know getting celebrated and all yep. of that. How can we identify our misplaced identity? Absolutely. What's a healthy way we can do that? Well, I think it's very easy. Um, have you ever put together a resume? Mm. I mean, essentially what you're doing with a resume is you're saying, this is my righteousness. Right. This yeah. is this is who I am. This is what qualifies me for this position. Listen to yourself the next time you introduce yourself to somebody. That's good. I'm so and so. I'm so and so's husband or wife, and I blank. Yeah. That's that's we're we're claiming glory. We're claiming identity yeah. here. And what David is saying is, you, Yahweh, is my glory, man. That's good. That's really really good. So God is my protector, uh, the shield. God's my provider, my glory, and God is my preserver. Yeah. He says there in verse three, "You are my shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head." Oh, the lifter of my head. What does that mean? Can I just say something that that this is all in one verse? Yeah. This is God's word. Yeah. Like this is, and yeah. and, and we said weeks ago that Psalm one teaches us that the man is blessed who meditates on the law of God mm-hmm. day and night. Day and night, baby. Meditate means to marinate. It means yeah. to soak. We talked about that steak. That's so good because it's been marinated in and it's soaked in it. Guys, this is what it is to meditate on God's word. Yeah. Is one verse, David breaks down just three things, um, theological statements as to who God is. And the yeah. fact of in battle, I mean, think about it. If your head's bowed, right, it's not going to go well for you. Yeah. I mean, that's exhaustion. That's you're defeated. And what David is saying is, God will sustain me. Mm. And and listen, please listen to this. I don't know. I mean, I can think of four people right now. I mean, I could write their names down that are going through situations that are exhausting. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking. Dude, I mean every minute of the day exhausting. Yeah. I mean, like every minute of the day, it it dominates their thoughts. And the good news is, is that God will sustain you. Amen. He who began a good work in you yeah. will bring it to completion, guys. Amen. This is good news. Amen. Good news. Amen. So good to lean on and to know what we know. I, I know about God always beats what if is going to happen. Yes. Always, always. So we've named it and then we've framed it through this healthier perspective of truths about God. And the last thing is this, is proclaim it. Proclaim it. We see another huge shift here in verse six. Well, verse five, I lay down and slept and then I woke up again for the Lord sustained me. Which by the way is is very important. Yeah. When are you the most vulnerable in ancient times? Mm. When you're laying down. When you're asleep. Yeah. I mean, that's why we lock our doors at night and make sure that the ring doorbell works. Yeah. Og got a tent peg driven through his head (laughs) because he was sleeping in. So what David is saying is in, and I didn't get to say this, in your most vulnerable state, in your most vulnerable state, God will sustain you. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I will, verse six, I will not be afraid. Let's go, man. Of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me Yes, all around me. So painting a picture of being surrounded by an army, being surrounded by people who have set themselves against 
David to with the sole purpose of striking him down and killing him so Absalom can come and take the throne. Yep. He's saying, I choose. I will not be afraid. Yes. That's another huge shift, and he's choosing to proclaim that. Why is that important? Listen, and and I love this because David makes a, a conscious choice, yeah. an act of the will to say, I will not be afraid. Now, I need to say this. Christianity is not just positive hallmark thinking. Come on, man. It's not saying seven times in the morning, I will not be afraid, I will not be afraid, right. I will not be afraid, and trying to will yourself to happen. Right. Notice the order that this comes in. Yeah. This comes after he has declared who God is. Yep. That's when David says that he won't be afraid. Yeah. Listen, you will never know who you are until you know who God is. Yeah. And so what David did is, and and listen, we just said this uh, on Sunday. Confidence in God is a choice. Yeah. Guys, there are moments in our lives where we have to choose. I can keep going down the what if road. Yeah. You know, the the never ending Dorothy. Gosh, Dorothy exhausted me. <laughs> I'll never let that go, dude. She Every wears, time she wears you out, dude. Dude, where's me slick, man, in the Wizard of Oz? Because the whole movie, she's complaining, she wants to leave, she leaves and then complains and wants to go. She just wears me out. Wears me <laughs> slick. But listen. You can keep doing that, yeah. and you will st- still keep getting those results. Yeah. But with your Bible open and on bended knee, you say, because of who God is yeah. and because of God's goodness, I declare yeah. I will not be afraid. Guys, fear does not come from the Lord. Yeah, amen. God has not given us a spirit of fear, amen. but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Amen. And, 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 one of the, and so we said, what are we proclaiming? We're proclaiming God. Good news. Yeah, this is the good news here. Yeah, no, that's really, really good. And I, we don't, we don't want to lie or create some kind of facade. Con- uh, confidence in God uh, being a choice is sometimes the harder choice. Amen. Uh, most certainly, the more it's a lot easier sometimes to sit in whatever it is and wallow or continue absolutely. down that path. But that's called faith. Yes, yes, that's faith. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what's a way that let, let's say we name something in our lives, we find out what the bad news is, and then we reposition and frame who God is in that scenario and how that can uplift us and give us a better perspective. What's something that, that somebody who's in that season can proclaim? Yeah. What's a, what's a confidence in God, a choice that they can make that will sort of reorder not just their loves, but the direction that they're moving in Sure. Life. Well, again, I think the context is really important. And, yeah. and I think we could go to the rest of the New Testament and find good news in the incarnation and all of those things. But yeah. particularly David declares something yeah. and says that salvation belongs to the Lord yeah. and your blessing will be on your people. Yeah. And so what we said is, is that the good news you know, because we're bound to this text, Psalm 3. And the good news in this text is, no matter how bad it gets, God is good and faithful to his people. That's good. That's That's good good news, man. man. That no matter how bad it gets, and listen, it might get worse from an earthly perspective. You know, the treatments or this, that, and the other, it might be wave after wave, but the good news is that God is faithful and he is faithful to his people. Amen. Amen. That is good news. We have, it seems like the last 12 to 16 months um, have really offered an opportunity to learn a lot about emotional health. Yeah. Uh, to learn a lot about mental and emotional um, uh, just calamities or issues that have been going on. Are there any resources that you, off the top of your head, 
could just offer to our people, maybe books that would help wrap minds around yeah. uh, emotional health and stuff like that. Um, anything that you would offer? Yeah, um, sure. That comes to the top of your head. I mean, first and foremost, you know, and I said this in the sermon, you know, when we talk about mental health and those type of things, um, I think the uh, mental health hotline is there for a reason. And, yeah. and we can put that number in the show notes, but please reach out and yeah. ask for help. Um, yeah. You know, we as a church believe firmly in, in referring people and doing um, stuff like that. Secondly, I've read a few um, secular books that have been really, really interesting. One is The Body Keeps the Score, yeah, uh, which is very, very popular, but it talks about trauma, how the body and how the mind respond to those things, and how anxiety and sound and smell and all of that stuff um, can trigger things. Uh, a, a really good author to follow would be author Ed Welch, Okay. does a lot of work in spiritual depression and uh, stuff like that. But a book that I just recently read about anxiety and fear is called, um, I think it's called Out of the Cave. Let me um, look this up really yeah. quick. Yeah, Out of the Cave and Stepping into the Light. Mm. And that's by Chris Hodges, a okay. pastor. It's forwarded by Rick Warren. But man, he takes uh, Elijah's life and and looks at it and and just the history of Christianity and people who've struggled and everything like that. It yeah. is uh, really really good. That's the most recent one that I would probably uh, I, actually I've I've already recommended it and given a copy to somebody at church. But out of the cave and stepping into the light yeah. is is really good. That's good. That's awesome. We'll we'll throw those resources in the show notes for you guys to be able to listen. Any closing thoughts? I'm going to read some words of Jesus Christ from Matthew six. Before we officially close, is there anything that you want to leave with our people? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's to meditate and marinate. Yeah. I think it's to spend time. I yeah. think you didn't get here overnight, yeah. wherever you're at, which means that you're not going to get out overnight right. as well. Yeah. And I think that is, you know, everybody wants the pill, the procedure, the quick fix on how to do those things. Yeah. But the good news is, is that God is at is present and at work in yeah. your life. That's and good. so uh, meditate and marinate on these things. Yeah, that's good. Well, one of the things that I want to leave with our people, a lot of times we come to the Lord and we don't know what to say. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay. Um, God has given us a book full of things to say, yeah. and the Psalms are one of the resources that you can use to pray out loud back to the Lord. Um, and so if there is an opportunity that you have before the Lord and you find yourself exhausted, anxious, emotional, stressed out, whatever, and you don't know what to say, Find a psalm and don't just read through the entire thing and, and just throw it away. Like Just like we broke down verse 3, spend time in it, like you've been saying, yeah. marinating and meditating and filling your mind with it and declaring what this good news says about who God is and what he has done. Um, before I get into uh, Matthew chapter 6, uh, we have a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah, we do. Uh, we have VBS, night two of our vacation Bible school whoop, whoop. Uh, with the kids during the summer at Westside. Yep. That is coming up this Wednesday. The day um, the podcast releases. Yep, the day the podcast releases. It will be Wednesday night at Westside. If you want some more information on that or anything else, you can go to westsidepb.org. We have information on that stuff or on our Facebook page. Um, we're still at uh, summer service time of 10 a.m. Yep. Uh, worship with us in person at 10 a.m. or you can catch our live stream as well. Uh, this podcast, uh, you can get it anywhere you listen to podcasts if you want to find any more of our sermons or sermon notes. I always forget to say this. Yeah. All of Jason's, Pastor Jason's sermon notes that come from uh, the just a fire resource for, for you as a listener. If you want to dig in 
into more about um, what's going on on a Sunday sermon and how it's put together, those are on our website as well under the sermons Don't tab. judge my uh, hooked on phonics misspelling. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's so great. So sorry. That's so great. Is there anything that I'm missing in terms of what's coming up? You're no, going to yeah. go out of town. Yeah, man. We've got vacation coming up. But yeah. one thing um, that you're going to be hearing about, if you're a Westside member this Sunday, you're going to hear from an incredible local organization yes. um, that helps men in addiction. And so there's going to be an opportunity to give. But listen, if please listen to me. If you have somebody in your life that is struggling with addiction and in the throes of it, or yeah. you yourself and you don't know what to do and you don't have resources, this Sunday you will get to hear um, from a local organization as to some resources um, about that. So please yeah. don't miss that this Sunday at 10 a.m. That's great. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to close us out uh, with words from Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not of more value than they? I'm going to jump down here to verse 33. Verse 32, the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks again for joining us on the rest of the sermon. Super cool to be back in the pilot seat. And yeah, man. Great to be back here with you, man. Good to have you, buddy. Awesome. We love you guys. And as always, may everything that we say and do be all about Jesus. Blessings, and we will see you next time.